Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome into the Celtics Life Podcast. There's been a big shakeup in the Eastern Conference and a little change in Boston's style of play. We've got some things to say about both and a whole lot more, so let's dive in. I'm Justin Quinn here with Topher Lane. Topher, what are your thoughts on the new look 76ers? I don't like them, man. You know, I I, <laughs> I, I don't. Well, and, and both both perspectives. I don't like that they have a better team, but I also don't think that they're going to be a better team in the sense of at least as of recording right now it's just jimmy butler supposedly they're the top team eyeing carmelo anthony and that's a whole other thing but i i don't think that this is going to translate to success jimmy's ego is just so big and they've got already got enough egos on that team and ben simmons and especially joel Embiid. i'm skeptical about the possibility of, of that team going anywhere if you know he tore apart the Timberwolves as much as he did, I I don't know if I trust Jimmy turning that team into the best team in the East. If anything, I think they drop off. I think you might be right. Well, you know, even apart from the personality issues, which really you can't ignore, because when the going has gotten tough with Jimmy, he's always taking it out on the people around him. Uh, even you know his boy Tom Thibodeau. And now we have a situation where not only is a guy they were just trying to start going to be pushed into the depths of the roster, really, because he does a very bad job of what Jimmy does. That would be Markel Fultz. But he also doesn't fit very well with, with Ben Simmons. Like, what is Ben going to do on this yeah. team exactly? Yeah. No, I, I don't. Know? Yeah, I it's, it's really hard to say how. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. And all the stuff was you know, officialized today. And it, I mean, it's, it's I, on paper. I, I stand by that. It's a great deal. And the Sixers are a better team, but it's, it's just so hard to see how it's going to work. And maybe, and maybe that's again, cause I'm a Celtics fan and I, I just don't like that it's happened and that the Sixers may have finally completed the process or whatever the hell that phrase is. But 
I just don't, I don't, I don't see it be, I know and I, I've argued with a bunch of people about it, but I just don't see it working the way that they want it to, which on one hand sucks. On the other, I'm happy because I don't want to see the Sixers have completed the process, but yeah, I, I just don't, I don't think it's going to be as good as they want it to. I don't like watching bad basketball from anywhere, you know, and I like a good rivalry. We've been building up, you know, kind of reviving a very old one with them. And I'm getting ahead of myself. Just so people are fully aware, I'm pretty sure most of our listeners know, but uh, basically what ended up happening was they traded Robert Covington, uh, Sarich, Jared Bayless, um, and a 2021 second round uh, pick for Jimmy and Justin Patton, who is not, you know, nothing. He's he's probably going to be a competent rotation player, maybe better, but unlikely. So they they do have a little bit of depth coming back with Jimmy on that. But yep. I mean, there's just the like I'm already seeing the Philadelphia people rationalize what happened with this deal. Um, and, you know, frankly speaking, it's kind of great to have this to talk about because it, I'm really sick of some of the other things we're going to be talking about. But, again, I'm ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is still, you know, like I said, you can't, you can't diminish the fact that a number one pick that they traded assets to move back to get, to get. I mean, he's not the number one pick, but he would have been the number one pick had Philly just, you know, picked him. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, there, there's, there's a lot of rationalization going on with how they're looking at what this is. And they did, I agree with you. They did the best possible thing they could reasonably do and reasonably assume the shake loose before the trade deadline. You know, another big star could shake loose. We could talk about that uh, situation going on in Golden State right now. I don't think it's quite rising to that no, level. No, that's, we can, we can that's that too early. Point. Not, not, not there yet. But that, I mean, there there's always a possibility for things like this. When I mentioned that that situation, just to touch on it briefly, the Draymond Green and um, Kevin Durant fighting over a play, ballooning into more, uh, that kind of a thing can always happen and go ways that you just never expect it to. I don't think Golden State's going to. So if you're getting that idea, it's not exactly what I'm saying. Though it could affect their free agency. Here I am talking about it. <laughs> um, but the 76ers. You know, they gave up a lot along the way as well as what they gave up in this deal. Mm-hmm. They're taking a very big risk in terms of personnel, like you, you mentioned. But another thing that is not really, okay, it's not as bad as some people are saying in terms of what this is going to do to them financially. They do have a lot of flexibility left this season and next season, but that's really it. So they got a couple of cracks with some, some with a trade exception. They have a $2.5 million trade exception they can use. They, I think they still have another trade exception, another exception they can use, a mid-level or something like that, if I remember right. Um, so they can, they can, they can send one or two maybe uh, guys, kind of like Bellinelli uh, guys that they signed last season to improve their chances, and they're going to need it because they have no depth at yeah. all really, except for Patton, Fultz. That's 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 you got to put asterisks next to that Fultz claim. You cannot you cannot call that depth. Yeah, yet. Chandler's not looking anywhere near as good. Muscala is not looking anywhere near as good as I think they hoped he would, though about what I thought. Able to contribute, but not much else. Um, so they have that, and then they have a max level-ish, depending on if they can re-sign Jimmy, and if Jimmy does re-sign based on who they sign, you know, hopefully he's going to be communicating with them for them, for us yeah. for that. Um, you know, they basically get one really good swing at a decent, if not fantastic, class of free agents 
and, you know, they're a much more attractive destination now, but, you know, depending on how all this goes between now and then, there's a lot of ways this could go sideways. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have done the move. They should. I, yeah. I just don't think. I, I agree. And I think. I don't think it's the slam dunk that people think Yeah, it is. and I, I think. I, I don't think either side lost here. I think. Honestly, the uh, the Timberwolves did a good job, all things considered, trading a disgruntled star and came away with a decent return that should actually keep them afloat in the Western Conference. I think that they picked up good players who can contribute now. And then, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a good future piece, but Jimmy was going to leave anyways. So, whatever. You know, they, they weren't going to lose too much. But the Sixers also didn't... Really, I mean, it's it's a cost you have to pay sometimes. Sometimes you have to accept that you're going to have to ditch some players to pick up a star. They did, and I think that's one of the scarier starting lineups now across the NBA. Uh, one that I think rivals the the Raptors starting lineup. The difference, though, is that the Raptors have an incredible bench, and the Sixers just sold it by trading away Covington, Saric. I don't think Bayless was a huge part of it, but he still was a guy who was somewhat valuable off the bench. He could yeah. play. And so I don't, I just, I think that they made a move to make a great starting lineup, but at the cost of, of sacrificing a lot of depth and yeah, they've got some money to play around with, but when they're targeting guys like Carmelo Anthony, I just don't see like, yeah, you say there's, this is the propensity to, to turn sideways. I think it's looking more and more likely every day that these reports come out and you know, you just see all this stuff that. I just cannot imagine Jimmy Butler tolerating it. I cannot imagine Carmelo Anthony making better, assuming that is where he lands when he's waived by the the Rockets, as many reports say he will be. So I just, I don't, and maybe, maybe I'm just too skeptical. I don't know, but I just don't see it working for him. And there's just so many questions, Mark, question marks. Maybe they'll find a way to piece it together. They'll find a way to have Simmons, you know, be effective in that lineup, maybe Butler will just put his ego aside. Maybe Embiid will be able to put his ego aside in the locker room or something. But locker room chemistry is huge for me. And that team does not have the recipe for success in that regard for me. I mean, they could they could add a 14, 15-year veteran and uh, see how that goes. That's what we need, apparently. <laughs> That's <laughs> where we'll fight him for one. <laughs> so since we're on the Carmelo topic do you think that, that Kyrie, who said that uh after a recent spate of uh dropped road games do you think that's what he meant no i don't know what the hell he meant by that if we're being honest i, I don't know where that came from if he had a guy in mind i mean i know that he was on the um, jamal crawford train during the off season and we i don't know if we even considered that or, or what that you know what the front office was doing there but i i know he was a, a fan of that and I, I agree, we could use a, a strong scorer, but I don't I don't know if there's anybody that's that good that's worth chasing right now. And also we don't for the time being, we don't have the roster spot. We will once all the Jabari stuff is sorted out. But Jabari Bird, I should say. And you know, I, I don't think it's a huge rush. I think it's something we piece together and we've got a favorable schedule coming up over the next month or so. So you know, I don't know where that came from or who he was talking about. I don't know if he was thinking of a guy specifically because there's not really any huge players coming out. Maybe Tyson Chandler. I know he might be waived or something. I, I don't know. I don't know who's who's an interest for Kyrie. 
Yeah, I can't quite figure out what's going on with that either. You know, I, I definitely agree that some changes are, are necessary. Personally, I would like to see internal changes yeah. first, you know, and just just tonight, just tonight, Gordon Hayward uh, was quoted by uh, Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe uh, as saying he would be open to coming off the bench, um, which I personally think, and you can <clears throat> tell me your thoughts on this, um, since we're diving diving into the, the crappy road trip and the crappy stretch over some very tough teams, you know, I, I, I do need to point that out, even though everyone has been pointing that to the point where it just makes me want to smash my face into a desk. Uh Something needs to change, and I think that maybe moving Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward to the bench in place of Marcus Smart and, I don't know, Daniel Tice, perhaps, or Shemi, or I don't know, but just some tinkering with the lineups just a bit, you know, not permanently, just until some people get more comfortable playing together, and then you move one person, not both, and then the other as you move towards the, the end of the season. Uh, just to try to get things going. Because in my mind, the the configurations that we're using, we just don't have mm-hmm. the right situation for that to be a thing to focus on now. And reps that reps are important, but reps that work and build confidence and unity, I yeah. think, are what need to happen. I, I like it. Uh, I like that change. And something that I think a lot of us always overlook, in part because of how young he is, but Marcus Smart is the most tenured Celtic on the roster. And even though he's still a kid and he's one of the younger players, he's been here the longest. And he always, even throughout this losing streak, or I guess this kind of tough stretch, if, if you want to define it as a losing streak, you can. He's been the guy who's brought the tenacity to the floor, who's really, who's really turned the tide. You look at the Phoenix game where he was put in place of Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has stepped up since then. He's been playing better since he was benched to start the second half against Phoenix after just an abysmal first half. I, I think change would be huge for this team. I think that change, whether it's just a small shakeup of the starting lineup, which Stevens has done. He did that with Gerald Green in place of, I don't remember, who did he who did he play for to start in the uh, Bulls series when we were down like 0-2 to the Bulls? Ooh, you know, I don't even remember off the top of my head right now, but it's a good point. But he, that that shakeup, the lineup, sh- and I think it's a locker room that no, wouldn't necessarily mind. And you look at guys like Gordon Hayward saying they're willing to step out. I cannot imagine that Hayward thinks that he's playing extremely well. And, you know, I, I think I asked Mark last week, when should we start to maybe start questioning whether Hayward is worthy of starting? I think that should have been two weeks ago. And we should say, yeah, you know, it's it's an opportunity if he's on the bench for him to use his athleticism and still kind of catch up on his lateral movement and catch up on all that stuff against guys who are not NBA starters. He might be more effective off the bench for the time being while he still recovers from his his ankle injury. And that could be, you know, really helpful for him to just get the reps in and, and get actually some confidence going. It doesn't need to be starting. He just needs to get get some time and actually get comfortable out there. And maybe going up against bench players would be better for him. So I'm hugely in favor of that. Morris has been incredible. Smart has been incredible. Both those guys are the ones that we really should be starting. If you're going to throw out your best players, those two right now are better than both Brown and Hayward. 
by far. And it's not a knock against those two either because, you know, we have to keep in mind, and I have no idea if he has recovered because we haven't heard anything, but Jalen Brown was playing through an injury for most of the year so far. And, you know, based on the way that he reacted to it and based on the, the general vibe of the team, it seems like they, even though they are aware, with the exception of Aaron Baines, uh, even though they are aware that the playoffs are very far away, a lot of them seem to be approaching approaching playing time as if they were in a playoff series, which is really stupid. And we're yeah. seeing the results. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I agree. I think that this is something that, that should change. And I, I think it'd be big for the lineup. I think that, that would, I mean, like we said a little bit earlier, we're going to a more favorable stretch. So that's its own time to play around with some lineup construction and stuff like that. But it's just it feels like there's some weird stuff going on between the uh, the guys. It doesn't feel like the kind of chemistry that we've had the past three years. And I think shaking it up would would be a good solution, at least just to mess with it for a second. And it's not like it's per. It's not like suddenly you're benched and you're not going to start for the rest of the season. If Jalen figures it out, I'm sure that we put somebody back in in sixth man. Honestly, I think Marcus Morris is fighting for sixth man of the year right now. And, you know, maybe Marcus is too. We got these guys who are, you know, huge sparks off the bench. And I don't think they mind playing that role. And maybe Jalen would be happy to take that role. I don't know. But I none of this is permanent. And Stevens has played with those lineups before. I think they all know that too. And honestly, I think that realistically, you know, making any kind of personnel moves at this juncture, unless, you know, they are the kind that blow you out of the water, get you under the tax, and don't hurt your playoff chances, i.e. not happening um, anytime soon, then this is really what we have to work with, particularly taking into account that of the next dozen or so games, I think only two of them are currently plus 500 teams. So, Really, we, we really should be going better than 500 over those as well. So, honestly, this is the time to do that sort of a thing, build the confidence in an environment that isn't fraught with the potentiality for losing the slightest misstep like a lot of these teams have basically had, which is why we keep finding ourselves in, like, 19, 20, 21-point holes in the second quarter. Yeah. Second quarter is my least favorite quarter lately. How about you? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's just it's been hard to watch these games. You know, it, it's been, and I'm not sure if it's because we've been, you know, spoiled by the last couple of years where where this team has just always been fun to watch and always been in it. And you know, while we have had some comebacks, and there was a chance to come back against Portland, and there was a successful come comeback against Phoenix, it's hard to sit through the first half of that where you have to trail by 20, where you have to watch your team get, you know, put down by 20, 25. 26 and that that's hard to watch and I, I know a lot of Celtics fans are turning off at halftime in the middle of the second quarter because it's it's just you don't like seeing us lose that much and I I, I don't think that there's gonna be any like personnel moves I'm on your side as far as that goes at least not anytime soon but you know it's I just I, I think that there's got to be some kind of change there's gonna be some kind of accountability and we heard Smart after the, the game in Portland. We've seen Horford repetitively take, at least on Twitter, saying, like, we have to be better. Go Celtics on Twitter. And Smart in locker room saying that we got to step up. Brad, too. I think that all these guys want to do something, but not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, a lot of people are starting to even question the talent of a lot of these players. And I think, you know, you guys, you got to 
relax a little bit because this is not easy. You know, a lot of really good teams started out this way, like the Miami Heat in their first season when LeBron went there. I mean, not every team is the 2008 mm-hmm. Celtics that just shows up and is ready to wreck shop from, from day one. That's just very rare. Yeah, and and I sent that to you, I think, of something that was in Adam Himmelsback last piece in the Globe was that the Celtics, last time they were number one seed, they started seven and six, exact same record we have now. And that, you know, that, that was, yeah, there, granted there was some uh, different players, obviously, different lineup. Isaiah Thomas was star at the time. But, you know, I mean, it's not like you're just suddenly trapped into this middle of the East. Like, there's still so many games. <laughs> there's still, like, six-sevenths of the season, whatever math is going on. We're only like we're not even a quarter of the way through the season yet. There's so much time, and you know any team can get hot. We saw it last year at the beginning of the season. When we went on like a 17 win stretch or something. So any time we can get hot, and once we piece it together, I'm really not worried about our ability to go go rolling. If we lose more than half of our next six or so games, I will start to panic. You know, I mean, we we should approach these rematches with the Utah Jazz and with the Toronto Raptors coming up with a grain of salt. If we drop them, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but I expect to win at least one of the two. You know, Utah's going to be at home. Toronto's going to be at home. Um, so I expect us to do better if not win. And hopefully, you know, playing Chicago first is going to give us an opportunity to to really dig in and and kind of try to re relearn what it is to play together or actually really learn what it is to play together because they've never played together really until now and it's hard it's not easy folks yeah no i i agree i think that's something to i i was never yet at a point of like panicking and i i wasn't really I'm still not worried about that yet. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily soon for me because, I mean, those are tough teams. I don't mind losing to those teams. In the case of Utah, the last time we played them, we were without Kyrie. I think with Kyrie, we win that game. And he was gone for... Did we? Just, it was one of his grandparents' funerals. Uh, and so, you know, yeah. So I think that that, you know, that changes that game. And that also makes that road trip seem a little bit better because that would be two and two right denver phoenix utah and Portland, um, as opposed well, to two one and five three. two and five instead of one one and five which sounds terrible because it is anyways moving along <laughs> wow, there was that was a that was a seven game road trip uh, i believe it was a five game road trip one, two and four yeah Matt, one and four. whatever either way it's better than what it is i mean not still not ideal we're not playing great but it's like it's better than it is and you know i i just I think that it's it's going to be that those there's going to be three games in the next five that are going to be a little bit tough, and then we're just got smooth sailing. We got Toronto and and Utah, and then Charlotte on the road, and that that'll be tough because Charlotte's actually looking pretty good. But we'll talk about that as we get to the upcoming week stuff. We'll get there. But other issues related to the Celtics and win loss records. Uh, who would have thought that the Sacramento Kings would have a better record? Dude, Jared Fox is looking good. How about that? Yeah, he's actually even shooting the three fairly reliably, which is some you know that was the biggest hole in his game, and he's he's 
he's coming along. He's posting some pretty absurd stat lines. Granted, it's the Kings, but the Kings are winning, and the Kings are in the West. Um, do you have any opinions on whether we should be considering this to be real and maybe you want to do something with this pick before they get any better? Uh, I'll use the same argument that I'm using for the Celtics right now and that it's early in the season and, you know, there's always the possibility that teams go on runs. In the case of the Kings, it's the opposite way. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they start losing a lot of games. So I'm not. They 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 don't have the talent. You know, I mean, it's 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 the opposite side of the coin. They just, you know, they're going on the streaks and they're they're winning right now. I don't really think it's that sustainable for them so i mean it's i it's a good story i honestly i'd be rooting for them if we didn't have their pick because i i like you know i like story i like underdogs i like teams that they're really fighting and they they really seem to be fighting i like their lineup they got a young core solid core but they're still young so you know i, I think that it's going to turn around in in a good way for us bad way for them sorry king's fans but <laughs> You know, it's I, I just I, I don't oh, see that standpoint. <laughs> I think I think it is less valuable though. I think the pick that that we got from Philly is going to be less valuable than we expected it to be because we were expecting that to be, you know, high lottery, and at the very least, or I guess at the very best. So, I think it is going to be a little bit lower than we thought it was going to be because of this start that they've had, and that there are a lot of bad teams out there. Uh, we just saw the Nets, you know, probably lose a good amount of wins with with Chris Levert going down and the Knicks are just really bad and there, there's a lot of bad teams out there and it's going to be tough for Sacramento to leapfrog their way down but you know they could probably find a way they're Sacramento they tend to find ways to lose pretty epically over there in Northern California so I'm not I'm not worried let's talk about Karis Liver. thankfully he is okay Yes, I'm speaking. amazed by that. Seriously, I I, just, I don't even want to talk about the way that his leg looked, but we all know at this point, those of you who don't, he he um, also injured himself in a very Gordon Hayward-like manner, uh, and it looked pretty bad, uh, just as bad, really, in my unmedically trained perspective through my computer screen. Um, but it turns out that it was just a really bad dislocation, and he's going to miss a lot of time, like months probably, and have to do some rehab because there's going to be, you know, small tears and just bad things. I'm speaking with, you know, my my incredible medical training, bad things um, that happen when that <laughs> when that happens to your leg. Yes. I, um, this, but, this is where we need Mark here because he's the one who had the the local injury, the local ankle injury. We need Mark for this kind of stuff. <laughs> He's, he's our ankle injury expert on the Celtics Life podcast crew. But uh, some some really interesting, uh, I, won't, I don't know if, I guess you could call this a conspiracy theory. Uh, Derek Rose was present for not just Karis Levert's ankle issue, but Gordon Hayward's, Paul George's, and was there when Jalen literally fell on his head. Oh wow. I didn't know that one. I knew I had seen the the leg ones in Hayward and, and Paul George and obviously Levert last night. But I didn't know the Jalen fall was one. That's interesting. Yeah. We were playing the Wolves that night and he was on their roster. I can't remember if he was playing much that night, but I mean it, it, it seems to be that he just needs to be present for all kinds of bad things to happen. Obviously I'm not saying they're his fault. 
for anyone who's misunderstanding that. Not what I'm saying, but very weird. <clears throat> yeah, so, we'll, we're going to get to our conspiracy theories again, which we've we've done from time to time as far as podcasts go, mostly off season pods. But I think that's it is it is weird, you know, and it's and I think. He talked about it today, and he said it really has taken a toll on him. But for a guy who's gone through so much as far as like injuries go and having especially his own injuries, it's just so strange that he's just been there for all of like the really major leg injuries of the last few years. The ones that are the most memorable in the NBA are the ones that Derrick Rose has all been there for. Connected so. to or the victim of himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's just so strange. Tweaking a little bit just to make it work to get to the bottom of some of these NBA conspiracies. And this one we're kind of putting our own shine on just to start things out. Um, and we're going to go back and forth. We have we have a few. We should we should preface this by we did a conspiracy theory pod somewhere. I don't even know what number. I wish I could shout out like, oh, it's 43. Pod 45 <laughs> or something. But it was, yeah, <laughs> some obscure pod. Uh, I think it was off season for sure, where Mark and Luis broke down the conspiracy theories that we know. We talked about the uh, little B blessing curse deal thing. We talked about a handful of other ones. And we felt like we had a few laying around. And some other stuff that's just going on, conspiracy-wise, or things that Celtics fans could reasonably make conspiracy fans of. So, conspiracy theories of. So, I... uh, you know, we were talking about it today. We thought it was entertaining. And I there's just a lot of weird conspiracy possibilities going around. So a few, right? We've got <laughs> we've got let's just go down the list and then then we will try to decide which are more or less plausible and see if we can come to a conclusion of one of them being likely. So they're all plausible. They're all pl- they're all true. They're all, they're all true, completely true. Always. <laughs> so the first one would be did Derek Rose make a deal with the devil? And, uh, you know, does John Calipari count? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I like Cal. He gets people to the uh-huh. NBA. He's honest now. He's, he admits his only purpose is to get people to the NBA so I can deal with him. Anyway, move along. Uh, besides that, Danny Ainge as Janos. Janos? 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 I've never actually – I just Janos. said Janos. Janos, Janos. The Twitter, the Twitter Celtics personality. Janos, if you're listening. I think that is him. There's no way that's not him. Well, Danny or Janos or whoever this person is, could, please let us know how to pronounce your name because we want to get it right. Um, if it's even <laughs> ever actually been pronounced by an authority. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Is Danny behind the whole Fultz fiasco somehow? The, being okay. the, I like that being the, the whole, I like that the whole uh, shoulder thing continuing on into the present. Uh, we can talk about that more in a second. Um uh, the draft being fixed, you always hear about the frozen envelopes and 50 different permutations of that. Uh, the league uses certain officials for desired playoff seating outcomes. Last year, we we heard, um, and I've heard Tony Brothers. Exactly, you got it. Very, very strict uh, referees who will keep the score close in a mismatch when they want the the lower seated or arguably worse team to advance. Um, mm-hmm. and then, um, 
if we need it, and we can still talk about it, um, Rondo's shower injury didn't happen in the shower. This is going back to the 2014 season in the beginning of the season before we traded him for uh, Isaiah Thomas, I believe. Um, was it Isaiah Thomas? Anyway. No, we traded for Jay Crowder and <laughs> Brendan Wright. And, yes, that uh, was with the Mavs. We traded him to Mavs. Yep. Come on. Sorry. It's late. It wasn't. Come on. Get out of here. <laughs> um, All right. Start from the top. Let's okay. go. So. I'm ready for this. What would you say on a scale of 1 to 10 that Derek Rose that? Okay. made a deal with a malevolent power. It doesn't need to be Judeo-Christian, Abrahamic. We'll be inclusive of all. When when was his powers. last injury? Like major injury? Oh, major injury? Probably the ACL tear that got him off of the the Bulls last. That would probably yeah, Now he had it cuz he had like a couple MCL, like he had a few after that, I thought. He had some operations uh, because he was having problems, but I think that was his last major one. I can't, I can't say for sure. I, I'm not a big Derek Rose fan for lots of reasons. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. Um, I'm doing minimal research right now. <laughs> Leg injury, because uh, if 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 his last injury happened, okay, so like 2014 was when he had missed a ton, and Paul George. 2014 so that was the first of all of them uh he had a couple he he did i don't remember him having like significant injury problems in in new york i would say if that's the case and if it did come after the uh the paul george injury i would say that's like a seven that he he made some kind of supernatural deal yeah some kind of thing to say my knee stays healthy in in place of three stars well, when it comes to supernatural malevolent powers, uh, with all things religious, I am agnostic. Um, so I guess that just makes it a five. So I guess we average it up for a six. Sure. How are we deciding these? Does that make it like more likely? Like, I, I guess I, mean, I guess we that's... just kind of just discuss them. I don't know what. Yeah, I mean we, that's that's kind of how I'm envisioning it. Like we just kind of like take the average of the between the split the difference between what we think. And whatever one sure. of the most likely right. is obviously true. Works for me. <laughs> so, All right, Danny uh, Ainge Janos. I think that's a 10. He's I him. I think he's a 9. No <laughs> okay, so nine? Uh, 9.5 uh, between the two of us. Yeah, so can we We do need to talk about that for a sec. If you don't know Janos on Twitter, he's like a Celtics... Icon. I don't even know. Yeah, icon is probably the best way to describe it. He's... Possibly literally... It's it's just it's fascinating, uh, and he's the most entertaining concept. Uh, all his tweets are like tweeting about Terry Rozier being traded to the Suns and just explaining why it's a horrible idea. Like tweeting directly at Danny Ainge. I think this is Danny Ainge equivalent of Brian Colangelo's burner account, and it doesn't hurt anybody because it's just a ridiculous guy just being fun. And I hope Janos slash Danny Ainge is a listener of ours because we love it, <laughs> and I love Janos so much. He's one of my favorite Twitter personalities. Here's a here's a challenge to our listeners. I don't really remember which came first, the Colangelos or Janos, but if the Colangelos burner accounts came to light just before Janos appeared on the scene, that could be some interesting uh, 
Intel, I guess you could say. So, you know, if anyone out there has more time than I do, uh, look that up and let us know. C-L-P-O-D, hashtag. Too much for effort. Me, for me, I mean, Too it's much effort, s- come on. Take another slant. Oh, I knew it. I just <laughs> set myself up for that so hard. Yeah, you did. All right. <laughs> draft is fixed. You think the draft is fixed? Um, I mean, the draft is clearly not fixed because people complain about it every... I'm so sorry. That was a terrible, terrible pun. No, I don't think the draft is fixed. What? I don't even... The the pun was basically the draft is oh, not fixed because it's clearly I don't broken. don't please don't blah, please blah, don't blah. I got yeah. you I got you <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry all the listeners have clearly stopped by now um but for those of you <laughs> who haven't all two of you um no I don't think it's broken I don't think it's uh, fixed either um in the, the sense that it is uh, rigged it is um, weighted. So that way teams have less of a reason to, I mean, there's just no way in my mind that they go through the amount of effort that they go through to keep finessing it and staying in dialogue with writers and the public and and whatnot. Um, And that doesn't mean I don't think that it might have been rigged at one time. You know, there were some scenarios back in the earlier days of the NBA that, you know, I could see plausibly, and I've heard some fairly decent arguments to that effect. Uh, but particularly now with the fact that gambling being such a major part of the NBA's pro- projected future, according to Adam Silver, um, and even revenue projections for the cap in the future, I don't think that they would take a risk uh, driving away Las Vegas with the appearance of being a slightly more reputable version of pro wrestling, no offense, wrestling fans, it's freaking great entertainment. It's just, anyway, I'm going to stop before I get killed. What do you think? Sounds good. <laughs> uh, I like, I like the Markel Fultz one, Danny Ainge being behind it. I brought that up today because if you haven't seen it, Markel Fultz, like pump fake to free throw, uh, and whether he's like practicing trying to draw lane violations, I don't know. But it is so weird. Just everything that's still going on with this guy who is supposed to be just such a star and just is I, I don't even know. He said the ball slipped during a free throw. I've never Pump once seen that happen throw? to any player yeah. in the entire world. And drop for whatever it reason Markel Fultz is yeah, whatever. Just I, I don't know. I've never like seen, and I, even then, it doesn't make sense why he would pump fake it if it slips and then he brings it back to take it. I, I don't even. Whatever. Markel Fultz is not good at basketball right now, and I think Danny Ainge calculated the entire thing and is going to trade like a second round pick for Markel Fultz, and he's going to become the number one pick again, and he's going to be incredibly good, and it's going to be a huge ruse that somehow Danny orchestrated. I think it's a huge conspiracy theory, but I think it's true. Stand by it. I'll fight well, for there's, that. There's some circumstantial evidence that supports your theory. If you if you know that the uh, the situation, you know, there's rumors that are denied by Drew Hanlon that they have, you know, parted ways because of his attitude. They definitely parted ways, um, but the the pump fake uh, reappearance of his wonky shot happened just after a certain trade took place dude that's not gonna go well wait are you talking (laughs) jimmy (laughs) yes i am that if if he's on the same team that's not gonna go well jimmy is gonna just tear him apart 
Nope, that's going to go very poorly. And to be completely honest, you know, like all, all kidding aside, um, if you just took away the is Danny behind part of that that whole uh, Fultz situation and just said to me, does Fultz, is Fultz trying to force his way off of a team he doesn't want to be on? I would say that that is roughly as likely as, as Janos being Danny. Um, when we when we introduce Danny being the mastermind behind it, it's it's a little less plausible for me. So I'm going to go ahead and and give it a six on on my scale on on uh, just him with the Danny. Well, but on which theory of Fultz trying to force his way off, or of Danny being the one behind him being just bad? Danny being behind him. If it was just Fultz trying to force his way off, I would say that I would buy that. You know, I, I can't come up with a better explanation of what's going on. I have never seen such a highly regarded, you know, I had some concerns about his shot too, but his selection, not his actual. But, but this isn't new. Bit, nothing this like is not, this. this is like, this is still a thing that's been going on since literally day one of his NBA career. And not before. And not before, which is well during why summer league. It I, did. I, I just during, don't when he have... was in like summer league and uh, and during training camp and stuff. Well, I consider him being drafted and signed part of his NBA ah. career. So in that context, yeah. Uh, so so once, conspiracy once for you is going. an entirely different conspiracy for you is just that uh, Markel Fultz doesn't want to play in Philly and hadn't did never want to play in Philly. I mean, it's pretty clear he doesn't want to play in Philly now, despite, uh, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm projecting. I, I just, I, I really can't come up with any other plausible explanation. To be this. fair, nobody um, can. Maybe the weirdness of the world. Like, you're not the only one. Nobody yeah, knows no. what the hell is going on with Marco Fultz. Whether it's on the 76ers or anything, just nobody knows what's going on. Even a shooting coach or former shooting coach. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a mess. That we're getting deep into the whole, this is a fun, this is why we have these conspiracy theory pods conspiracy <laughs> talks so much conversation <laughs> so give me a number uh with danny involved danny is the master oh i give that like a nine man i i str- i there's no for me that's the most clear explanation that's that's just like i, I don't see a way that that's not not danny age he's just so good with this stuff and he somehow planned the entire thing so the league using certain officials for desired playoff seating outcomes. You know, after the Tony Brothers thing last season, or last playoffs, I I I buy into that for sure. I don't think that's unlikely. What if I don't think it's definite, but I definitely I'm gonna give it an eight point five personally, because I tend to agree with you. The evidence suggests that they are trying to influence the outcome of the game without cheating, you know, without doing something that Vegas would frown on because there's lots of fouls that don't get called. And calling a lot of fouls in a game between two teams that are roughly um, not close in terms of talent, but just about all guys that you're going to be sending to a foul line should be 600 to 700 uh, free throw shooters or higher. That gets things a lot closer you know, mathematically speaking. So I I would almost say that that is definite, but depending on exactly how you're, 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 you know, finessing the conspiracy, whether they are calling fouls that aren't fouls or whether they are calling fouls that don't get called. If we're saying fouls that don't get called, then I I agree a hundred percent, but I'm going to backtrack a little bit because a lot of people are saying that they're just making up fouls and so there i will say it's i i just think i'm gonna just go with the the base of just saying that the use the league is using certain officials 
for desired playoff seating and stuff, and just to try and affect games. I don't think they're instructed to call fouls or don't call fouls. I think they just know that. You know, and, and I complain about it. Ooh, we have to talk. Well, yeah, I complain about it when it comes to uh, like college basketball. Because I think that there, especially in the Big East, there were refs that just didn't like Syracuse, my alma mater. And I, I would always, I would see them and I'd be like, oh, we're not going to like this game. This game is just going to be bad because the ref doesn't like us. And I'd feel like we wouldn't get caught. And I feel like that would affect the game slightly. It wouldn't mean that SU was going to lose, but it meant that it was going to be closer than I'd like. Or we would lose, one of the two. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the NBA is the same thing. I think if they want, you know, a series to go on longer than, than it probably will, then they might bring in a, a ref that's more favorable to one team. Or maybe a style of play. Maybe they, they realize that the Celtics are a more physical team in the paint versus the Sixers or vice versa. And they say, let's get a ref in there that you know calls a lot of fouls in the paint. Let's get a ref who likes to watch for those three-second violations. Let's get guys like that. you know, and, and they find ways to do it that way. But I don't think they're instructed to do one thing versus another. But I'd, I'd give that like a seven, seven, eight. Okay, and if we're talking about that, then well, which one do you think is is the one we should be take, picking? Because we we really gotta both be going with the same one. So are we going with the with instructions just, just or just face value? The league uses certain officials for desired playoff seating outcomes. Face value. So just just the league. Yeah, ten hundred percent. Okay, well that's a ten all over five, and we've already found our winner there. But we can go with the shower injury with Rondo here, just for. To see if he uh, I, what, catches up at all. I don't know that one. What's what's the conspiracy? Just that it did that he broke his hand elsewhere. Well, he, was he like he, riding a bike? Was he learning how to ride he, a bike? Well, he was what seen we... in a bounce house earlier in the summer, like a few weeks earlier. Uh, and the owner, uh, like it's like one of those like trampoline kind of places, that, the malls that they have. Sure. Um, and some investigative reporting of the highest degree. Uh, tried to investigate the situation uh, by asking the owner of the bounce house if Rondo had gotten hurt there instead of his shower, like he said he did before the start of season, like right before the start of training camp, basically. A lot of people were saying that that was him trying to miss training camp um, or that he was trying to cover up um, an injury that would have gotten him in trouble because there are certain kinds of activities that you can be contractually barred from participating in, like risky activities, like you know, trampolines, um, kind of along the same kind of lines as with uh, Devin Booker's injury. And then there was the the video on Instagram of him playing on a dirt bike or something like that this year, that kind of a thing. I love the NBA. <laughs> what a great place. I love this. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't have a feeling on that. I say I, I was, I guess I just didn't, I didn't remember that happening. So I, I don't know. I'll, I'll just say, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say it happened in the shower. One. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty low on that too. A little little higher just because of the bounce house thing, though the bounce house owner is not, you know, expecting lots of return injury from NBA players, so it doesn't really have any kind of reason to lie. So I'll say like a three. Alright. So do we have any way of deciding? I, I feel like we just enjoyed the conversation. There are conspiracies in the NBA we've decided. And those are all true. <laughs> I mean I think we can't kind of came to the conclusion that the league using officials to kind of like give certain teams that'll have a bigger uh, revenue draw a better chance, not through cheating. I'm not saying they may cheats just through structure and predictable officiating. 
Um, I think that's pretty much not a conspiracy. I think that's a fact. We we've seen looking evidence. Looking at that, do you think that they uh, that they try and keep the Warriors out of the finals this year? Uh, the Warriors keep up the way they're going to keep themselves at the finals. But I mean, then again, with the way that the Houston Rockets are doing in the rest of the West, uh, who knows? Well, right. let's let's touch on the games real quick and then get on out of here. Uh, it was not a great week. The only win of the week came barely. Against Phoenix, 116 for 109 overtime. What an amazing comeback. I think it was actually bad. I think it would have helped them more if they had lost to a team with only one win. Uh, and yeah. been able, you know, I think it kind of convinced them that they can do this shit, and that is not good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the next couple of games, like, it's not like I, we did find ourselves into deep holes and stuff over the course of the entire week. But it's not like any of those games were out of hand. And obviously, Phoenix was a good example of that. So, you know, I, the, the Phoenix game, I think, was was solid. But we were a Marcus Morris miss away from not winning a single game on this road trip. Give me some predictions for next week. we got Chicago on the 14th, uh, Toronto on the 16th, and Utah on the 17th. The latter two, both home rematches. All right. I'm going to be ambitious, say 3-0. Celtics wow. going to make big changes, big changes against the Bulls uh, that will involve lineup changes, and Hayward is going to find his groove against Chicago off the bench and you know roll that into really solid performances off the bench against Utah and Portland. You talked me into it. I'm going with you. I'm going 3-0 and also, and I'm going to throw in an exciting little kicker to this uh, friendly wager, if we can call it that. Uh, I think Kyrie, Kyrie, Kawhi Leonard sits when they play us because he's been sitting a lot. He's already sat at least four games. I haven't checked, but I'm pretty sure it's four games uh, this season. He's been sitting uh, particularly against... Uh, back-to-backs or difficult outs, uh, particularly like when they played uh, Milwaukee. Um, I think they beat them when they played Milwaukee. But anyways, um, so no Kawhi and home game. I think that's winnable. I think that, you know, even away, the Utah game is winnable. Um, So I I do think that 3-0 is on the table, and I hope we're right. How do you feel if we're nine and six versus the or ten and six versus the seven and six that we are now? Is that like suddenly you're just feeling better entirely, or are you still kind of skeptical about where we're at? If that's the case, I mean, I'm not really skeptical so much as impatient. Um, if we start dropping games to sub five hundred teams, then I'm going to be really pissed off. Um, if we lose to Chicago, I'm going to be livid. Uh, no offense to Chicago. They are doing very well with what they have, um, but we should not lose to that team. I mean, they don't even have Laurie Markkanen back yet, as far as I'm aware. Um, I don't expect him, him to be back, though it is something to keep an eye on because he should be getting better right around now. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Frankly speaking, uh, I would only be upset if we dropped games to teams like that. Yeah. No, that's, that's fair. I think if, if we lose to Chicago, I'm going to be upset. And that's that's the only one I'll really be upset about. So 
That's my concern. Let's stay positive. Uh, the listeners should be sure to check out the links at the top of Celticslife.com where you can get tickets to all three of those games that are happening this week as they are home games. It'll be under the heading. This might be, you might want to write this down, tickets. So uh, check there. Um, I'm kidding. And, you know, we've got the usual variety of shirts and hoodies that you can use uh, as a means to for thanking us for our content and our effort to get it to you. Um, they're pretty snazzy, so even if you don't want to thank us, I hope you do, um, you can also uh, give us a rating or review, preferably five stars. You can find the pod on Wooshka, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and most podcasts episode and like i said if you don't like what you hear just let us know on an article on a tweet uh with a hashtag clpod we're always trying to do the subject's coverage you want the way you like it send us a letter before we get out here what's that send us a letter we just got a letter send us a letter by post email any way you like we'll love it we're there we're listening we want your your feedback 3-0 3-0 it's happening we're out of here all right later guys When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.